Well, first, I'd like to thank you all for showing up today here in Brossard. Uh, you came in uh, a lot of people as much as uh, about a month ago. Uh, it's been a long process where I've met a lot of great candidates that I talked to. I met them, and uh, they all have a lot of stuff to offer. But at the end of the day, I felt the best fit for me and the Montreal Canadian is Michel Terrier. Uh, Michel brings leadership. Uh, he brings experience and success at all levels. He won the Memorial Cup. He reached the Calder Cup Finals and also reached the Stanley Cup Final with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, our team needs leadership, needs a presence, and I feel Michel is the right person for that. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here today. As you know, I made a major change yesterday in the Montreal Canadian organization when I decided to relieve Michel of his duties. I'm sure you will understand it was not an easy decision, but I've always said that I will make the best possible decision for the Montreal Canadian giving the situation. And this the reason why I made that decision yesterday. We're all looking to figure out why. There are mistakes, there are key mistakes, and uh, you know, uh, that third goal, like I said, really hurt us at the end of the second. We had just gotten ourselves back in the game with that uh, that power play goal, and then uh, you know, before the period's over, instead of being down two one, we're down three one. So that was a that uh, that was a, a pretty good dagger. Hey there, Habs fans, Habs maniacs. Habs lunatics out there in Habs land. Welcome to the latest episode of What the Fuck is Wrong with the Habs? A podcast series that will hopefully try to examine, illuminate, and potentially identify some of the key reasons why the Montreal Canadiens, the most storied franchise in the history of hockey, have been a dumpster fire of an organization for the past 26 years. So sit back, relax, and I'll be back in a few seconds. What the fuck is wrong with the Habs? Looking at the Wikipedia page of the Montreal Canadiens' uh, list of coaches over the years, and uh, we're down the list to Claude Julien, second time around for Claude. And if you go to 1981, it's the last time the Montreal Canadiens had a non-francophone coach. If you go through the list, it's Jack Lemaire. The grandfather of the movement, Jean Perron, who, as Chris Knuckles said, we could have literally had a, a mascot behind the bench, and we probably still would have won the Stanley Cup that year. Then it was Pat Burns, much respect for Pat. And Jacques Demers came along, thank God. We had that, that run there, that one year, the one the, the last year that we could all remember. After Jack, hopefully, Jack's okay. After Jacques uh, disappeared in 1995, 
Perrier took over for a game. Remember that? That was a weird thing. And uh, the Maverick, the Rebel, Monsieur Mario Tremblay came aboard. And we all know what happened there. Mario. Yeah, that kind of changed things, didn't it? Seismic boom. Kaboom. Uh, we're still feeling the... What are they called? The sound waves. Uh, almost 30 years later. Kaboom boom. After Mario uh, came and went in uh, the most uh, inglorious uh, fashion possible. Alan Vigneault came along. That's the time they were, where the Mortal Carina started becoming that kind of uh, the, the breeding ground, uh, the training ground for young uh, French coaches making it to the NHL. So Alan Vigneault came along in uh, 1997 to 2000. I'm just looking at the records here on the Wikipedia page. Those years between 1997 and 2000, uh, his winning percentage was uh, 0.483. Not even close to 500. And Michelle Therrien came along. First time for Michelle. A little scruffier than the last time for Michelle, but in his uh, three, four years here, like a 500 record. Those uh, those two uh, coaching reigns, Alain Vignon and Michel Therrien, you know what they represent? They represent the last time the Montreal Canadiens uh, missed, four, uh, missed the playoffs four out of five years. That was the last time, Alain Vignon and Michel Therrien. After Michel uh, left the first time around, Claude Julien came aboard for his first time around. And he lasted for three, four years and about a 530 winning percentage. At that time, Bob Ganey was the GM. And if you remember, uh, Bob Ganey had a habit of uh, building a team that just wasn't quite good enough, but he couldn't figure out why it wasn't good enough. So he would fire his coach at the end of the year and take over behind the bench to try to figure out why he wasn't good enough. And then the year would follow, the the following year would come, and uh, uh, at the end of the year, it'd be the same thing. It's like, why, why aren't they good enough? Let me go down on the bench to figure it out. So we had that Bob Ganey thing. So he kind of coached like 40, 41 games the first time in 2006. Then his buddy Guy came aboard as the coach. We all had uh, high, hope, high hopes for, for Guy. And if you look back at his, uh, his tenure with the Habs, even though he didn't coach very long, only 230 games, his winning percentage is close to 600, 589. In 2009, we all know, we all remember what happened with Bob Ganey gave that uh, famous speech of his where he said, uh, the best move I've ever made as a Montreal Canadiens general manager was uh, bringing Guy on board as a coach. And then I think two, three weeks later, he fired him. And that was the second time that Bob Ganey decided to, let me go see what the hell's going on. So he went behind the bench for 16 games. 500 record. Habs went nowhere. And then Jacques Martin comes along. In 2009, 2010, 2011. 
His uh, winning percentage is a uh, 554. The team fell apart the last year when Jacques Martin was here. Remember that? So the assistant coach had to take over. Poor guy. It was like a deer in the headlights. He had no idea what the hell was, uh, was about to happen. Randy Cunyworth. He just uh, thought, oh, I'm just an interim coach for the rest of the year. What's the, what's the big deal? Oh, ho, 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 buddy. Welcome to Montreal. So we all remember that little thing with uh, the Randy Cunyworth thing and people picketing outside Molson uh, with uh, signs that we're not going to buy the beer anymore. And I think by my calculation, if I remember correctly at that time, I think it was like 20, 30 people. But the media made it seem like the biggest fucking thing on the planet. It was a movement that had descended upon the Bell Center. And Jeff Molson had to react. And that's what it seemed like. I'm making it sound a little more dramatic than it is. But in Montreal, it's not really that, that stretching it, if you know what I mean. So Randy Cunningworth uh, had his little moment in the sun. And then Michelle Therrien came. Mark Bergman came along. Michelle Therrien came along for the second time. And uh, since uh, that history is not that uh, that uh, that old, I think we could all remember what happened two, three years ago. And then Claude came aboard in 2017. He took over for Michelle Therrien that year when the team was uh, started off well and then we're going backwards. And uh, Boston uh, fired uh, Claude, Claude Julien, so Mark Bergen was probably thinking, oh, maybe this is a step upwards from, uh, from Michel Therrien. And um, here we are now, Michel Therrien's uh, and Claude Julien, excuse me, Claude Julien's uh, second tenure with the Habs. His winning percentage is uh, 0.424. He's uh, coached 106 games. Since 2017, he's won 45. 106 games. The team has won 45 of them. They're about to miss the playoffs for the third year in a row under Claude Julien. And uh, if we look at the Claude's, uh, Claude's coaching record a little bit closer, you kind of realize Claude hasn't... Um, Hasn't led his team to the playoffs in seven years. Seven years. The last time Claude made the playoffs was in 2013-14 season. We're in 2020. He missed the playoffs the last two years in Boston. He got fired the third year team missed the playoffs again he came here taking over from Michelle Therrien team was uh, unceremoniously tossed out of the first round of the playoffs and he's about to miss the playoffs for three years in a row so mistakes those, uh, those constant mistakes that this organization keeps making and if we if we go beyond just the language thing, if we forget about that, let's look at what kind of coaches the Montreal Canadiens, for some reason, keep bringing aboard. There's one thing very, very uh, similar in all of them. Well, a few things similar, but let's dismiss the, the language thing completely. 
doesn't exist in this scenario. For the sake of this conversation, we're all we all speak the same language. One language, that's it. What kind of coaches are these that Canadians keep bringing? Definitely experienced, with the exception of Vignol and Claude Julien the first time around. The Habs were kind of the training ground for them. But all, all Jacques Martins and the second second round with Michel Therrien and the second round with Claude Julien. What kind of coaches are these? Philosophically, what kind of coaches are they? Well, they're not a offensive ma- masterminds, that's for sure. Their teams don't score many goals. They tend to be in the same mold as Jack Lemaire. That defensive thing. They tend to overplay and overemphasize the importance of veterans. Fringe veterans. And they tend to have a very short shelf life. So why do the Canadians keep hiring them? And in the case of Michel Terry and Claude Julien, why do they keep rehiring them? There's got to be more uh, more coaches out there. Remember, let's forget the, the language thing. There's got to be more coaches out there for the Canadians to get. Besides the same guys. And it's not like you're hiring a guy who was successful in this market. You're hiring a guy who you had to fire from this market. And then you brought him back again. Like the second time around is going to be better for some reason. This episode of the What the Fuck is Wrong with the Habs is going to focus more on that. Not only the the coaches that the Montreal Canadiens seem to bring aboard here in Montreal, but the kind of coaches they are. Stylistically, philosophically, how they see the game. In 2020, do they actually, uh, are they still relevant? Claude Julien. Seven years he hasn't made the playoffs. You can't tell me seven years he didn't have one team that was kind of good enough to scrape in. All those years with teams sucked. It's just a coincidence that when he left Boston the year after that, they became good again. And then a whole bunch of young kids exploded. Is it just a coincidence? I don't know. Do you guys know? But we still, for some reason, we keep bringing the same guys back. So now we're uh, we're at Claude Julien 2.0. Team is going nowhere. The Buffalo Sabres are uh, one point behind the, the Habs with two games in hand for 13th in the conference. Only Detroit, New Jersey, Ottawa are worse team than the Habs. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. For some reason, we keep bringing the same guys back. Is there... Any reason why?
I'm not sure. But once again, when it comes to coaches, when it comes to general managers, we're all kind of looking for everybody within the same box. If we have one box, we better look inside that box to hopefully try to find it. Shake the box, see if anybody's there. And it's that conserv- the conservatism that Montreal has. Uh, it's, it's the nature of this organization where they become kind of uh, curators of a, of a museum, historical artifact that they have to maintain and polish and present and show and display, and, you know, cherish and put on a monument. The future of the team means nothing. The past seems to be all that we really, really care about. And within that conservative nature, the Canadian's owners, for the most part, tend to make these kind of decisions where everything is safe. Shh, don't make too much noise anywhere, okay? If you have players on the ice who are a bit too exciting, too noisy, whoop, got to get rid of them. So everything becomes very, very Catholic churchish, you know, where everything has a nice, uh, nice look. You walk in, it sounds nice. There's beautiful freaking, you know, artwork everywhere representing the history of the Catholic Church. But when you dig down uh, a little deeper, yeah. The Canadians are a weird organization. It seems they, they don't have, they don't want, they don't need to be aggressive. That cutthroat uh, attitude they used to have. They don't have that anymore. Everything is safe. Everything is quiet. Everything is polite. Everything is uh, shh. That applies to the media as well. Everybody's polite. Everybody's shh. Don't get too loud. Don't get too negative. That negative word. If I hear it again, I'm going to throw it back in somebody's face. Negative. What the hell is negative? The opposite of negative is positive. And if you're positive in a losing situation, basically you're happy being a loser. So is that negativity or is that, you know, can we rise above this nonsense? And in order to rise above it, you got to point it out. You can't accept the mediocrity and absolute no direction management for year after year after year because shh, don't say anything church service is happening so close Julian another loss today team is uh, unless uh, unless Florida and Toronto lose uh, 19 of the last 20-23 games that they have left this team has no chance of uh, making the playoffs it's, it's one of those magical things where the Habs have to win like 18 of the 22 games and Florida and Toronto and Buffalo. Let's be honest, Buffalo is right there. They're pretty much the same place the Canadians are. Just add another team to that, you know, that growing list of chasing that third spot in the Atlantic Division. So it's miracle time. And we we know, you know, we just kind of, you know, oh, God, another 22 games still. Can we just, like, finish it now, you know? No, you know, play the 22 games. Gotta see if Jonathan Jones scores a goal. Go back to Jonathan afterwards. Back to Claude. Back to this team. 22 games left. 
I was looking on the ice today and uh, Mate doesn't look very good. He hasn't looked good for a while. I'm not gonna poo poo on the kid because you know he had a pretty bad virus. He couldn't eat any solid food for a while, so that might affect his strength. But the truth is, once that's over, once that flu thing is gone and you're back to uh, to eating normally, you could gain 10 pounds in a day. You know, you could gain your strength back instantly. MMA guys do it every freaking day when they fight. They lose 20, 30 pounds within a week. And they put it back overnight. <laughs> Literally overnight, they're ready to go. So that whole med day is sick and he hasn't eaten. Okay, I'll give you a couple days. More than that, give me a freaking break. You know, what are your kids here? They're all children. You know, we have to talk to them like they're children. Mate, are you okay? Victor? Psst, Victor, are you okay? You need your, your special pajamas? That's what it's become. That's what it seems like, like a daycare. It's become like a daycare, you know. And, and in a sense, when you're kind of that in-between uh, uh, rebuilding, restructuring, retooling, re uh, rearranging stuff, there's always going to be young kids around that you're going to have to t take care of, you know. So there's going to have to be that little thing. That's another thing with Claude. Canadians are pretending to do this whole youth movement thing, which is hilarious. Youth, but what youth movement? You're not doing anything. If, if you're doing a youth movement, you, you get rid of your, your veterans and you pick up, uh, you know, assets. Either young young prospects or draft picks. That's a youth movement. And the Canadians have Victor, uh, Nick Suzuki on the team. And that's it. That's their youth movement. That's what it turned out to this year. Started off with uh, Suzuki and Kokadiemi uh, and uh, Fleury. I'm not going to throw in Mete because he's already been here for a while. You know, then uh, Paling came along. And uh, Canadian's youth, men, youth movement with 20, 20 games left in the season is uh, Nick Suzuki. And thank God Nick Suzuki showed up this year, developed. Yeah, because uh, if somebody tells you that Claude Julien uh, taught Nick Suzuki how to play hockey, or Kirk Muller, or Ducharme, those, that, those, yeah, those guys, they give him conversations, turn the kid around. Yeah, you're a moron. He's a developed kid. He knows how to play the game. The only thing he, the only thing most young kids in the NHL need is confidence. They have to know inside their head that physically they can take it. They could go in the corner. They don't have to worry. Their legs are strong enough to handle it. And Suzuki kind of realized that 20 games to the season. He kind of realized, hey, I'm strong enough to play in this league. Let me have some fun now. So that's the only, like, like I said last podcast, uh, pretty much the only reason I'm tuning into Habs games lately is uh, for the Suzuki. I'm here for the Suzuki. And that's pretty much it. Uh, there's a couple of things, you know. Let's get back to Joanne. Can we talk about Joanne for a while? I'll get back to Claude because this, this podcast is about coaching. But can we get back to it? Uh, can we talk about Joanne for a second? I mean, I realized the kid was off for a long time. But his legs weren't injured. I mean, if, 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 if he doesn't feel strong enough to, like, hold on to the stick hard, you know, to take that long snapshot you have to have strength on your wrist to do that if he doesn't feel comfortable to do that at least skate like the freaking wing ding dong skate you know be a buzzsaw out there in the uh, the opponent's zone be that kind of guy be that that four checker guy you don't have to hit anybody you nobody's expecting you to uh, lay people out on the you know with a body but you could be that four checking guy you could be that pest you could play that role to help your team out if until you get your your hand back to where you think it's comfortable but with the thing with joanne it's another it's another uh warning sign 
is uh, he's very fragile. In this team, we have that, uh, like Tony Marinaro says sometimes, uh, the fragile thing. Uh, why is this team always fragile? But yeah, he's another one. Add him to the list. Everything has to be going perfectly for Juventus to kind of function, you know? He has to feel good. He has to produce early in the season so he can have a little momentum going, a little flow going. Once you break that with anything, a little negativity, uh, a couple mistakes, you know, some laziness on his play, and the coach says something or he hears something from the media, all of a sudden his, his head is down. He's kind of, you know, he goes, he tries to reach the puck in the corners. Uh, his ass is like seven feet away from the puck. He's kind of reaching over like he's, uh, you know, a little trying to reach over a fence, try to, uh, you know, hook a coin or something from a rock. He's like, dude, you want to win a puck battle? Yeah, you physically have to be next to the guy that you're trying to win. You can't do it from a distance. So we're, we're back to that with Joanne, that, that lazy ass, half-hearted kind of, I'm trying, but I'm not really trying. I could do more, but I'm not doing enough. So we'll give him time. There's still 20 games left. So I'm sure Mark Bergman has this as his little project for the last 22 games. Let's see uh, how Juwen does. All right. We're all going to see how he does. It didn't look very good, though. That's for sure. Like I was saying yesterday, the, the Weber situation, the Canadians pretty much uh, handle that like champs, like PR champs like they are. Nobody's talking about Weber today. No word was mentioned about Shea Weber. And it's not like we know anything different. We just know what they kind of said. But they don't even know the, the healing. The swelling is still on down. They have no fucking idea. Yeah, it's a, a sprained ankle. Whatever. So that, that situation is still lingering there. So for some reason, I don't know what it is. Maybe Mark Bergevin brought like bad luck with him. Maybe he's made decisions for the wrong kind of reasons so maybe a little karma is coming back at him and things are not working out the way he kind of hoped they would or he kind of planned them to be working out that karma thing as you get older in life you realize it's there it happens it occurs it's I don't want to say it's prevalent but it, it it creeps up yeah life is just energy eventually you put crap out there it's gonna come back at you so this organization feels like it's cursed, but when you kind of dig through all the, the bullshit, uh, you know, excuses and uh, dark, sinister reasons for things that might be happening, you just realize it's guys making wrong mistakes, making bad decisions. Owners making bad decisions and kind of uh, sticking with that decision too long hoping it works out eventually and it just kind of drags out it doesn't work out and it just keeps dragging and we're kind of here now with uh, Mark Bergevin we're here now with Claude Julien and we're here now with Jeff Molson like we have no idea what any of these guys are doing right now is Claude Julien trying to win this year or is he trying to develop some players is that develop anybody there's nobody here to develop is uh, Mark Bergevin still the guy who's going to be leading the new rebuild, 3.0, 4.0? Is Jeff Molson going to make any decisions whatsoever? Besides build new loges at the Bell Center? Besides new PR campaigns? I heard this year that you, you, if you enter some contest, you could win season tickets for five years. And a lot of people on Twitter aren't saying, and how is that a deal? 
<laughs> you want me to suffer for five years at the Bell Center watching this crap? How's that a deal? In a way, they're right. But in a way, you kind of realize, ooh, fuck, they're, they're kind of going out there with the PR stuff, you know? Keeping the fans alive, trying to keep the spirit there, but the spirit has been broken, you know? The spirit, eventually, you have to bring somebody in to cleanse it. You have to cleanse the village. Bring one of those great elders back into the village. Have some sort of ceremonial kind of uh, pyre there with uh, burning stuff and incense and all that crap. And uh, we'll shake loose of all the ghosts. We'll shoo away all the freaking spirits. Get the fuck out of here, Michelle Therrien spirit. The hell out of here, Jacques Martin spirit. Canadian's coaches, it's like, what the hell? Can't we just get a young kid that's kind of exciting? I don't care what language you speak. You could, you could be from, uh, you know, B2B. I don't care. I don't care where he's from. He could be from Tunisia. He's French Tunisian. I don't care. Can't we just bring somebody young who's exciting, who has a new way of doing things? It's always the same freaking guys. And we all know it. Close Julian either this year. Because the Canadians have to do something to save face. Jeff Molson can't just go back again at the... He might even not even show up at this year's press conference. It's just too much pressure. He'll probably just wait to go to the draft. Everybody will have calmed down. It'll be more exciting. People are looking forward to it. The media here are going to build it up like it's the greatest thing in the history of mankind. Like the Canadians want something because they're holding a draft the bell center that's what it's, it's going to seem like that like it's it's going to seem like some sort of victory some sort of celebration that we're going to see you know? and then you, but all of us we kind of realize that we're just all crossing our fingers that you know Timmins doesn't fuck it up again excuse my language I don't want to get there yeah so we keep bringing the same guys here and we, we keep waiting for different things to happen you know the, the, the famous Einstein quote you know? keep doing the same thing expecting a different result Insanity. Insanity. So where do the Habs go from here? We all know that the Mark Bergevin and Jeff Molson, they have to make some sort of structural change that will make it seem to the, to the fan base that indeed we care. We care so much that we're willing to sacrifice the great, I don't know, fill in the blank. Are they going to sacrifice the great Claude Julien? Or are they going to sacrifice the great uh, Trevor Timmons? My gut feeling tells me that Trevor Timmons is probably done. Uh, has Jeff Molson made that decision yet? I don't think so. I think there will be some sort of rumblings. But I think the foundation has been laid for Trevor Timmons to part ways with this organization. Now... Contract-wise, I'm not sure what the hell is going on there. How many more years he signed for? Bergevin's contract is up next year. 
it's last year or is next year year 10 oh my god a whole decade with that guy incredible what we've been through as a fan base if if anybody says that the Montreal Canadiens fan base is not patient yes slap him for me please we've we we've created a new kind of patience we we live in a world of patience so when somebody tells you you know I gotta be a patient like dude patient what are you, what are you talking about patient we, we're becoming patients soon in a freaking mental hospital that's what we're gonna become from patients to patients those two words are hard to uh, discern so what are the Canadians going to do with Claude Julien? Uh, they're still going to pretend that he's a 2020 uh, kind of coach? They're still going to feed that narrative out there? On Twitter today, I, was, uh, I wasn't talking to anybody. I'm kind of uh, avoiding some media guys. I don't want to directly talk to them, just leave them be. But some people talk to them and I see their responses within my Twitter feed. So I can see some media guys, uh, you know, how they're responding to what people are are asking them or telling them or complaining to them about and and the classic one with Claude Julian is like yeah. pretty sure it's not Claude's fault well dude if it's not Claude's fault and, and it's not the guy who who got the players for Claude whose fault is it because you can't keep having a professional sports organization that keeps on failing and you keep telling everybody that it's not really anybody's fault no one's really to blame. Well, somebody has to be to blame. That's how people lose jobs because somebody, you know, is uh, targeted as a person to blame. So who are the Canadians going to blame? Are they going to do it this offseason? Are they going to wait for the whole Shea Weber thing to play out to see what happens? That that thing is still lingering. And for those of you that think in four or five weeks uh, Shea Weber is coming back, uh, I have, uh, you know, bananas to sell you. They're a little black, but uh, they're still good for some banana bread. Cheap. Sell them cheap. I'll have Amazon deliver them for you. Amazon Prime. Prime bananas. So what are they going to do with, uh, with Chloe Julien? Uh, seven years. Uh, uh, the guy hasn't made the, the Stanley Cup playoffs in seven years. He hasn't led his team to a Stanley Cup playoffs in seven straight years. We're going to still pretend that he's, he's the man. Every single year, it's a different conversation with Claude. Well, uh, we have to work on the power play uh, this year. Next year, we have to work on the PK. This year, it seems like we have to work on both. It, it never ends. It's like I still have no idea what Kirk Muller is doing back there. What's Kirk doing? Is he actually coaching the power play? Like, Does he actually set plays up? Because I hate to break it to you guys. Yeah, hockey players know how to play. They don't need coaches to tell them, uh, you know, you got to be here when the puck is there. They, they know. They know where they have to be. You could reinforce some uh, some bad habits to make sure that they if they keep doing the same thing. You could, as a coach, you could say, listen, you keep doing the same fucking thing. Excuse my language again. You, if you keep doing the same thing, you got to stop doing that same thing. As a coach, you could point that out. You're not going to teach kids uh, in their 20s who've dominated hockey since they were 12 years old, how to play the game. They know how to play. The reason the Canadians' uh, power play is not that good and the reason the Canadians' power, uh, penalty kill is not that good because the talent is not that good. It's not that complicated. 
the PK, you can work a little bit, but if you have two defensemen, they can't clear the, the front of the net. If you have two defensemen that are slow to the corners, if you have two defensemen on the ice that uh, the puck's over the stick and it's like a foreign object, you're going to suffer on the PK. The Canadians, like I've said a few times during this podcast series, they're just badly constructed. They had a really good core. Mark Bergen couldn't add to it, so he broke it apart. Now he's kind of rebuilding on the fly. Trying uh, By rebuilding, I mean the core on the fly. Using other teams' players and other teams' draft picks. It's the absolute worst way to get anywhere in a professional sports because there's no plan. If you want to have a plan for an organization, it doesn't matter what sport it is. You have to open up a calendar. You have to pick a date in the future, whether it's two or three years down the road. Mark that date, circle it, uh, draw butterflies around it. And every single move you make for the three years leading up to that has to be focused with that date in mind. Every single move you make, every trade you make, every free agent signing that you go after, and every draft pick you make has to be with one aim three years down the road. You know what the Canadians are doing? They're doing nothing. They're trying to work, try to win this year. Uh, not succeeding at that whatsoever. So they're getting higher draft picks and they're drafting players. That's what they're doing. That's their plan. We're going to try to win and draft some players. There's no plan. There's no nothing. You can't sign free agents. So you can't add to that bubble team that you're trying to add to all the time. Your young kids, for the most part, are not good enough to contribute right away to help you to get over that hump. And you have coaches that are stuck in 1994. They think they need their fourth line grinders to compete. They, they think they need four balanced lines. Just throw one line after the other. Dude, that's a great theory if you have 12 good hockey players who could play those roles. If you have 12 hockey players and seven of them are the exact same kind of hockey player, you're not going to get that balanced four lines that, you're gonna, that you want. And if you're occupying one line with a whole bunch of veterans who, with all due respect, Nick Cousins uh, and Thompson, they're just uh, uh, Nicolas Delorier in a different kind of shape and form. Some team might need a Cousins, I seriously doubt it. Some team might need a Thompson, I seriously doubt it. But there might be some team out there that's going to take them and play them four or five minutes a game. That's who they are. So here in Montreal, we keep kind of uh, reliving that uh, that fallacy, that fourth line veteran grinder thing. I had a conversation with some guy on uh, some media guy on Twitter, I'm not going to mention names, and he's been brainwashed or he's just gone up against the wall so many times that he has no more energy for it, so he's just kind of playing along with it, yeah, yeah, the future and everything is good and you never know and all that nonsense. And I was talking to him about that fourth line grinding thing philosophy the Canadians have that absolutely goes nowhere. And he, he was telling me that, listen, in a salary cap world, uh, every team has to have those fourth line. And that's absolute bullshit. 
young kids in the entry uh, contract, they're making less money than those veterans you're picking up. So it has nothing to do with the salary cap. It's just choices that you're making. Choices that the general manager is making to appease the coach, to make him feel better. Okay, this is the kind of guys he wants, so this is the kind of guys I'm going to get. And Mark Bergman has been stuck in that fourth line retool thing forever. Every single year he keeps adding new guys, new shining that turd into uh, half turd. Instead of just realizing you're not a very good team, you're a bubble team anyways. The fourth line guys are not really going to help you out that much in the, over the course of an 82 game season. Just play kids. Play three kids there. You could have Kokni, Emmy, Paling, and some other kid there on the wing. Throwing leg on it just to make them feel a little more, you know, balanced out. You could have done that the whole year. And just let them play. They make mistakes, who cares? They have a good game, play them a little bit more the next game. They have a bad game, play them a little less the next game. But it's always the same the same thing here in Montreal. We we keep take we keep looks like we have a snapshot of what it takes to win a to to be a competitive team. And that picture that we're looking at is wrong. It's a wrong picture. We're looking at the wrong year. It doesn't fit anymore. So this organization has to get out of that rut where they keep hiring that conservative-minded kind of coach. Let's not kid ourselves. We're never going to get past that French-English thing. So don't even talk about it. Why are you wasting your energy? You're getting all heated up and it becomes political and cultural. It goes way beyond sports. Let's just admit it. It is what it is. It's going to be a French coach. No problem. I got no freaking issue. Don't care where he's from. Like I said before, if he's from Tunisia or he's from, you know, Latibiti, or I can't even pronounce the word, Latibiti, I don't care. Nobody cares. The vast majority of my friends who are French, they don't give a shit who the coach is, what language he speaks. We live in 2020. You could literally put your freaking tablet on the table there, put Google Translate on auto mode, pick the two languages you want to go from, and whatever he hears the person saying, it's going to translate to the language automatically. You don't even need to hire a translator anymore. We live in that kind of digital, you know, advancement. So we're pretending that, you know, okay, whatever. Okay, it's a French coach. Whatever. Let's move on. I don't want to think about this nonsense anymore. I think we know why we keep doing this. But if we're going to do on the, the French coach thing, let's get a different kind of coach. Now... It seems kind of obvious to everybody who's paying attention that the Canadians are kind of grooming Joel Bouchard to take over. Eventually. That eventually might be next year. Might be the year after. Might be halfway through next year. Might be after the first month of next year. I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to bring everybody back for one more year. One more kick at the can. This is the year, boys. I'm going to make it happen this year. This is the year. What year are we? Oh, yeah. 2021, 22. That's the year things are going to happen. Yeah, so they're probably going to, they're obviously grooming uh, Joel Bouchard to take over, but uh, let's be honest, uh, Joel Bouchard can't lead the Val to, to victories, you know, so we're expecting him to, to lead the Montreal Canadiens to victories, because somebody told us that uh, he's really good. Okay, let's go, chop chop. Let's move. Uh, how many years are we going to wait for Claude uh, uh, Julien to, uh, you know, break out of the dinosaur mold? He's not going to break out of it. He is who he is. And as long as you keep giving him the players that you have, this is the team that he's going to formulate in his mind. 
He's going to formulate that fake balance, four lines, uh, grinders on the fourth line thing. And don't give me young men on defense. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. So we have to break that stupid mold. And hopefully, the only way you break that mold is if the French media starts to throw it out there. You know, they start to throw it out. You know, the big names. I'm not going to mention them, but they, they start to throw it out. That You know, listen, if we're going to have this French thing with the the Canadians coaching thing, at least let's try to uh, switch it up once in a while. Let's bring somebody maybe a little bit more offensive-minded. If you're going to try to build more of an offensive team, you got to bring a coach that fits that team. You know, the Canadians keep doing that whole, uh, the whole crazy routine where they hire a coach who sees the team that he has and he tries to mold them into the team that he wants them to be. Instead of hiring a coach that fits the team that you have, the group of guys that you have, if the group of guys that you have are all defensive-minded, hire a defensive coach. If the group of guys that you have are kind of offensive, more offensive, and don't don't have those great defensive jobs, you got to hire an offensive coach that could capitalize that, that could maximize that stuff. The Canadians are like, well, we have some offensive players, so let's be as defensive as we can. Okay, congratulations with that. What is the point of, uh, of having this whole defensive philosophy when you're paying your goalie $10.5 million a year? If he's the best goalie in the world, why, why are you kind of overemphasizing that defensive part? What's the point of having him there if he's uh, if you're playing that defensive? You could, you, could, you could have anybody there who will kind of give you the same results over an 82-game schedule. I'm looking at the clock now. I've been talking for oof, close to 40, 45 minutes. I think that's, uh, that's enough for uh, Claude Julian and uh, Montreal Canadiens coaches and history of failure and repetition and mistakes. One mistake after the other. And here in Montreal, we're specialized. We keep making the same mistakes. We double them up. Double your pleasure. You think uh, Alain Mignon is going to be like Alain Mignon with 2.0 soon? I don't know. It's possible. Who the hell knows? He's got uh, Michelle Therrien next to him now in Philadelphia, so gotta see what happens there. It's a mistake. Chloe Julian was a mistake. Michelle Therrien was a mistake. Jacques Martin was a mistake. I keep just making the same mistakes over and over again. So, with that uh, brilliant analysis on mine, thanks for listening, people. I appreciate it. It's nice to vent and get out uh, some stuff that's not, you know, overtly optimistic for no reason. Just kind of sprinkling, you know, sugar on top of an ice cream someday. It's already sweet. You're already sweetening to the point where nobody knows what the hell's going on. Like, stop adding more sweetener to it. It's enough. You know, we're, we're mature enough to handle a little, bit, a little bitterness. It's okay, negativity. Negativity is okay if it gets you to a different spot. If it just maintains you in the same spot, then no, it's not good. It's just another fallacy that you're creating for yourself. But you can't be overly optimistic within a losing situation. Because all you're doing is uh, you're creating, uh, you're giving the owner more reasons not to do anything. Hey, everybody's happy, everybody feels good. What the hell should I do anything for? Eventually we'll get there. You have that philosophy, and that philosophy gets you nowhere, absolutely nowhere.
can you make a lot of mistakes doing that because you prolong you prolong a decision and that decision that you're prolonging sometimes it gets even uh, even worse if more mistakes are added to it so with that I'm gonna shut it down for another another episode hope you guys enjoyed it thanks for listening I'm not sure what song to play you guys out with I had an intro song this week so I'm gonna play a, something a little bit more um, more modern toss in some uh, some grooves so thanks for listening everybody I'll catch you guys uh, next time uh, have a good one and uh, see you soon Been having dreams, jumping on a trampoline, flipping in the air. I never land, just float there. As I'm looking up, suddenly the sky erupts. Flames alert the trees, spread to fallen leaves. Now they're So